what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stepping Up Service. This is our customer service discussion show here on TheMesh.tv. I'm Alan Jackson with The Jackson Group, and with me, as always, Ed Gagnon from Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Alan. How's it going today? Uh, it's doing pretty good, pretty good. How's yeah. the weather down your way? I know you're only 45 minutes away, but uh, dramatically yeah. different than what we've got here. It's looking pretty good outside, right? Yeah, a little bit windy, but it's beautiful. Oh. So I'm, I'm I'm loving it. It should be a great weekend. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping so as well. Got a big ball game I'm heading out to tomorrow night. I was telling you about before the recording here. So yeah. I don't know how many uh, fans or listeners we've got just right here in the North Carolina area, but kind of a big ball game going on tomorrow night. Uh, UNC Duke playing some basketball now. By the time this podcast podcast gets published, though, the game will have already been in the record books. And uh, the outcome, I will either be very, very happy for the next week or um, may not be. So we'll, we'll kind of wait to see where it goes with that. So uh, I'm anxious to see. I'm a big basketball fan. So this will be a fun weekend for us. Should we predict a score since the listeners will probably know the score by the time they start listening? Oh, you know what? Let's uh, do that. Okay. So let's say prediction on the UNC Duke game. Uh, I am going to go with the UNC win. And I'm not saying that simply because I'm a fan where I went there. I'm saying it because I think, I think we got their number on this game but i think it's gonna be a tight one i'm gonna say unc by five i'm gonna throw out a 76 71 score wow that's interesting because i was going 78 75 for duke i, I would normally pick the the uh, tar heels but i don't want to lose all of our duke listeners so i'll say duke <laughs> 78 75 you're such a good good co-host uh, <laughs> we gotta balance out everything don't we so. good in quotes all right well, let me write that down again you said what 78 75 duke right okay well, we'll be able to follow up in our next episode and see how we did with that game. So that'll be right. fun. Ed, you know, this whole series, we've been talking about customer service and we've talked about a lot of different ideas for not only strengthening the level of customer service that someone can provide, ways to look at within their organization to get stronger with customer service, a lot of ideas, a lot of suggestions and tips. But you know, sometimes despite your best efforts, you're still not going to satisfy that customer or you're not going to be able to give them the answer that they want. So that means that person in that customer service role has to be able to deliver some bad news. We've alluded to that in some past episodes. That's a tough thing for a lot of people to deal with. But I thought today's topic, you know, let's talk a little bit about the willingness and being able to share the bad news. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that sounds that sounds great, Alan, because uh, e- even though we might try to design customer service to be perfect every time, the reality is sometimes we're, we're having to deal with negatives. And sometimes those negatives are negatives that we identify ourselves as companies before the customer does. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, sharing that bad news with the customer. Yeah, that sounds good. Great. Uh, Before we get into our topic, though. Uh, before we get into our discussion, let me go ahead and do a quick little thing here. Uh, the sponsor of this month is actually a company kind of near and dear to my heart. It's the Jackson Group. It's our parent company here at The Mesh. Uh, the Jackson Group conducting healthcare employee and patient satisfaction surveys for organizations across the nation, a lot of healthcare organizations especially looking at uh, ways to improve the service that they provide not only to their employees, to their patients, to their community. We're out there conducting surveys on the patient, community perception, employee satisfaction side of things. You can learn a little bit more about the Jackson Group at thejacksongroup.com. And Ed, your company, Customer Service Solutions, and people want to find out a little bit more about you and what you do in the world of teaching organizations how to improve customer service, how to get stronger, improving processes. They can learn all about this at cssamerica.com, correct? That's correct. 
correct. Great. I do encourage you to check out both of our firms there and see what kind of work we're into. Uh, a little bit of our news. Ed's got a great customer service blog that he puts out on a regular basis that I enjoy reading. And it's always good, good reminders and good pieces of advice that we can all share and, and use within our organizations. Okay, so all that's out of the way. Let's go ahead and move right into our topic, being willing to share the bad news. And Ed, how do you how do you want to handle this discussion here? Uh, well, Alan, I know you like to play games on these podcasts once in a while. So we're going to kick it off with a game. As long as it's a game I can win. I love I love it. I think it's great. Well, you have no competition as far as I can tell in well, this game today. So you're good. <laughs> Knowing me, I'll probably still find a way to lose. So. <laughs> but that's all right. Well, let's give it a shot. All right. And this game, you might enjoy the, the title of this game. It's called Alan's Movie Trivia of Fortune. Ooh. Well, it's got two words. I really actually three words. I really like Alan. Uh, yes. The word movie and fortune always sounds like a good thing. So we'll take all three of those. Okay, so does that mean you're not a big trivia fan? Um, I can handle trivia, okay. We'll see how we do with it, sure. All right. We're going to play this uh, twice and see how you do. Uh, First, uh, I'll name a movie and you tell me who starred in this particular movie, okay? Okay. It is called The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. The Good, and the Bad, and the Ugly. That was uh, Clint Eastwood. Excellent. And and was he the good, the bad, or the ugly? Um, I think he was a combination of all three, if I remember correctly. Yeah, personality-wise, yes. He did play the role of the good guy, though. Sure, right. Uh, Yeah, ultimately the good guy but a little rough around the edges on the other ones as well yeah all right well that was excellent the bad guy was lee van cleef and i have no idea who was ugly but um he was famous too i think okay good yeah i I, i'm with you on that one all right we're gonna go through another movie uh it's the bad news bears oh the bad news bears that was um oh what's his name um who was the manager right now hold on um it's just uh Always Walter Matthau. There, there we go. you go. Yeah, Walter Matthau. Yep. All right. So you did excellent. You you need to host a a movie podcast or something. You're I think I'll get this. right on that. Actually, that sounds like a really good idea. So well, good. Well, what what was the common theme between those two uh, trivia questions in Alan's movie trivia of fortune? Oh, I got it. They both had the word bad in the title. Excellent. Yeah, very good. And and you won the uh, Movie Trivia Fortune Grand Prize. I'll, I'll tell you about that later since I haven't come up with it yet. But, uh, you did a fine job, Alan. Well, see, I, I do love your games, Ed, because A, they play to my strengths. B, they're really short and quick and easy. Uh, so I'm a big fan of these games. This is, uh, We ought to make this just an ongoing feature here. So Okay, well, we'll, we'll see what we can do about this. All right. uh, but I have some bad news for you. That's Uh-oh. the last trivia for today. So. Oh, well, I'm very upset about this being the last one. I, I would think you as a trivia provider should have more questions than just the two. I'm very upset and I'm very angry. And what are you going to do about it? Okay. Well, <laughs> that's an excellent segue. We didn't totally set that up now, did we? Mm, um, not and, a bit. And, and since we talked about bad news, we're going to talk about how do you convey the bad news to the customer. And since we talked about the bad news bears, uh, we'll, we'll use some baseball analogies too as we go through it. But uh, when we talk about bad news, just to kind of give some examples to the listeners of what we're talking about. This could be a situation where a company or a business finds out something uh, that they they need to convey to the customer or the customer is going to find out eventually and it is not something the customer wants to hear. Maybe maybe an item that the customer wanted is now on back order or there's a project that's supposed to be done by the end of March but it's getting delayed or something is going to cost more than the customer had anticipated. Maybe the company can't provide the exact product. Uh, Maybe that employer excuse me, that customer had an account rep and the account rep quit and the the customer loved that account rep. So these are the kind of 
situations that we're talking about here where the business knows something before the customer does and the customer is not going to be happy. Are, are there any examples that kind of pop to mind about these, uh, the, these bad news items from your perspective, Alan? Well, I, I would think, too, a lot of times if you think about uh, fees or rates going up, you know, that's mm-hmm. normally the kind of decision where that's already being made at the corporate level. It's not something an end customer service representative has anything to do with. But if they know rates are about to go up and they're going to have to somehow communicate this to people, somebody's getting to renew service, they're getting to renew a subscription, whatever it may be, that, that could be a problem. Right. And, and that's a great example. I mean, the fees going up, it's something that the organization finds out, but it hasn't been conveyed to the customer. And you got to assume the customer is budgeting for that same price for the following year. They're expecting that same outlay for the next transaction, and it's not going to happen that way. Okay. All right. Yep. So what we're talking about here is, is trying to figure out with these situations of bad news, uh, what, what are some key principles to think about and what are some key actions to take? Because okay. whenever you're in a situation where the customer is going to hear something they don't want to hear, that situation can blow up. It can become an irate and upset customer situation. It can go bad and we don't want that to happen. Okay. Sounds good. So we're going to start out by just briefly talking about a key principle and then we'll get into some of the actual techniques and nuances of how you share the bad news. But uh, th- this brief but important principle using the baseball analogy is, is you want to be first to the plate. When you know bad news, you you don't want the customer being first to the plate and bringing it up. You want to be the one who's first to the plate. And and to to really illustrate the importance of that, you got to understand the risk of doing nothing. Mm. Let's say, for example, that you know the price is going to increase. You don't say anything to the customer. The customer gets a bill. They've been paying the same rate for five years. And now all of a sudden, they are paying a rate that is a 15% increase on what it was before. So what's the risk? that the organization's undertaking by basically doing nothing in that case. Well, I know what's probably happening is they're crossing their fingers hoping nobody notices. Uh, right. But unfortunately, you know, most consumers, especially nowadays, are going to be a little more diligent about that kind of thing. So when they find it, they feel like the organization's probably trying to pull a fast one over on them. It's a little more of like deceiving as opposed to, you know, that's the impression I think they're going to have about the company. The company was trying to pull a fast one over on me, sliding this price increase in there without telling me up front. Right. So it's one of those things where there isn't that feeling of openness, there isn't that feeling of trust that's engendered. Instead, uh, there's a little bit of credibility that's taken away. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or maybe it's that project deadline. What would a customer think if they had been planning to receive a certain product or a certain deliverable or a certain service by a date? And then all of a sudden, you know, that, that date is here and there's no service, there's no product, there's no deliverable. And they, they weren't told that it's actually going to be delayed a couple of weeks. How does the customer feel and react to that? Well, we have to base a lot of our actions and plans on, on the words we receive from people. So if that's a product that was really desperately needed on this particular Wednesday and somebody was counting on that, uh, you know, when they when it doesn't show up, you know, the last thing you want to hear from the person you call back is or to, to follow up on is that, oh, yeah, that's right. That's not going to be there till Friday or it's not going to be there till next Wednesday. Uh, there again, it sounded like I was withholding information that could have been and helpful to you as a consumer. I just chose not to share it for some reason. So a lot of these pieces of information, they're putting financial stress on the customer or they're putting time uh, line crunches on the customer. They're putting the customer in a bad position. And it's 
bad enough when we're having to share news that are going to impact the customer negatively. But in addition to that, if they start thinking, well, can I really trust what these people are saying? Can I really uh, believe that that what they're going to deliver in the future is what they say they're going to deliver? Then all of a sudden it, it layers on top of the issue itself a, a tremendous amount of emotion and stress, and it really hurts the relationship with that customer. So there is a strong risk in doing nothing mm-hmm. and letting the customer find out for themselves. The other thing to think about is when this customer is coming to you uh, and they found out before you told them, how how is that conversation typically going to go, Alan? Well, it's generally not not a very pleasant one, I can imagine. I mean, uh, again, if the consumer's already got this this idea in their head, whether it's true or not, that the business was trying to pull one over on them or trying to be dishonest or trying to sneak something by them, they're automatically going to go into a very defensive mode on it. Um, you know, it could have been honestly a true oversight where the cus- the company had every indication of talking to customers, but something fell through the cracks, but the consumer's not going to know that. They're going to think the, the company was trying to, trying to mess me over here. They're trying to pull a fast one on me. So I would imagine they're going to go in with a pretty defensive mindset from that very first conversation when they call. Right. And a lot of us... Uh, don't like confrontation. We don't like to have those bad conversations. But if we allow the customer to find out first, then the customer is typically going to come in with more emotion. They're going to come in when they want to come in. They're going to be controlling the conversation at the start, griping, complaining, uh, whatever tone they use, all the emotion coming out, and then you're being forced to react to them. And if you're reacting to them instead of them reacting to you, they are in control of that conversation from the start. So it's a bad starting point for any kind of conversation. You know, Ed, it almost reminds me this whole point of being uh, kind of uh, trying to be proactive with with communications on this almost reminds me of the lessons we tried to teach our kids when it comes to bringing home bad report cards or something. You know, it's like if you you just come home and say, this is how I did in school and I'm sorry and here's what I'm going to try to do to fix it, as opposed to us finding out that you tried to fake our signature or didn't give it to us for a week or two and we get to find out later through the teacher, we're automatically more upset as parents and disappointed than just if we had just gotten the bad news from them directly and honestly from the kid. It's the same right. idea. You know, we try to teach our kids to, to be open and honest and tell us even when it's bad news because it's always better than us finding out later through other methods, you know. Right. And that's a great point. And that's a, that's a good analogy, too, because it's one thing to be upset about grades. You know, that's tangible. You can work on it. You can study more, study differently. You can figure out how the child learns and in that particular subject. But now you're dealing with a bigger issue. You start wondering, is the child hiding something? from me or, you know, why can't they feel like they can be open with me? Is it something about me or a relationship? I mean, all these other layers pile on to the uh, to the actual issue itself, the tangible issue, and it can make it a much more stressful relationship, much more uh, difficult conversation to have to deal with. Absolutely. Yep. I can see that as well. So this whole concept I had of this idea of being first at the plate and kind of being proactive with it, it sounds like it's a really big key to prepping and being ready to deal with a, a what could be a bad situation or conveying some bad news to the customer, right? That's exactly right. I mean, you just do not want to risk having that customer come to you red-faced when you're least expecting it. You want to make sure you're initiating that contact. All right. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do is let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some some ideas and suggestions, I guess, to actually handle that bad uh, bad news situation, correct? That's exactly right. All right, great. We'll be back with Stepping Up Service here in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Jackson Group Interactive a full-service video and multimedia firm located in Western North Carolina. Offering broadcast video production, social media management, and interactive website development, JGI can help your organization with its new media communication needs. 
JGI is also the producer of the Mesh Network, which you are listening to right now. For more information, please visit their website at www.jginteractive.com. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stepping Up Service, the customer service discussion show here on TheMesh.tv. TheMesh.tv, that is our podcast and online media network we've generated here, where we've got some original programs and shows that are coming from all parts of not just North Carolina, but, but even a wider area as well now putting together some original shows with a whole wide variety of topics. We've got everything from a, lo and behold, a film review show, as Ed alluded to a little bit in our uh, our game at the first half of the show. We've also got some other business-related shows, one having to do with leadership called Leadership GPS, talking about the practices of leadership in today's uh, business environment. We've got uh, CapsCast, which talks about something kind of near and dear to our heart here at the Jackson Group with regards to patient surveying, talking about the CAPS initiative and some ideas on ways to improve that in your own healthcare organization. A lot of variety of shows. They're all available on themesh.tv. You can access our shows from iTunes. You can access it from uh, Windows mobile phone or the Zoom marketplace. A lot of different opportunities and ways to get to The Mesh. Uh, You can always visit our website at themesh.tv as well. So go check us out. Subscribe to some shows. Download some episodes and listen. Uh, We hope to keep sharing some great content with you in the months to come. All right. so Ed, coming back to our conversation here on Stepping Up Service, we were talking about being willing to share the bad news. We talked about the idea and the concept of being the first at bat to make sure you're proactive and and taking the lead and dealing with the situation. But let's say even if we are kind of prepped and we're going to make that first conversation, we still got to break some bad news to somebody who's probably not going to be very happy about it. What what are some things we need to be thinking about or trying to do when we do those, when we have to handle those situations? Uh, That's a great question. We want to, getting back to our baseball analogy, make sure we're covering all the bases. We're going to talk about three different things to be thinking about when you're actually getting ready to have these conversations. One is creating an environment to have a bad news conversation. Second is to be self-aware when you're in these conversations. And the third is to anticipate their reaction. Okay. Okay. Got it. When you're thinking about creating an environment, think about the baseball pitcher. Uh, when, When the baseball pitcher's pitching, He's just not throwing pitches indiscriminately, what pitch, what location uh, in the strike zone. He is thinking about, well, what are, what is the weather like? What are the elements? Who am I pitching to? What sort of pitches should I pitch based on where I'm at in the count? Is this guy, does he hit better fastballs or, or curves or change-ups? I mean, he thinks about the environment before he ever throws the pitch. And we want yeah. to do the same thing. We want to think about what kind of an environment that we want before we initiate the contact with this customer. So okay. when, when you're thinking about sharing the bad news, uh, here's a quick checklist of things that you want to do. First of all, try to schedule a time to get on the phone with the folks so that you have a little bit of control over the environment. You know, I need to talk to you a little bit about the project. I was wondering if you had some time for a conference call or a meeting or something along these lines. So you set it up and you prepare them and make sure it's going to be a good time. Try not to just call right off the bat and launch into the issue if it's at all possible. If you do have the, a little bit of time to, to schedule it out and make sure they're going to be focused when you are engaged with them, 
do that right off the bat. So would, Second, would, so would Friday, 4.55 p.m., would that be a good time to try to call somebody with a major issue in their process? Uh, no. Okay. All right. Good. Uh, but, but, but I'll make a note of that then. <laughs> I'm glad we had this podcast for you in particular. Uh, yeah, you, don't, you don't want to be doing that. Uh, so, so you want to confirm that time. You don't want it to be, I don't know, 7.30 at night, tomorrow night or something yes, like that. You're right. Know, in case there's a big basketball game on. So. It's actually a 9 o'clock game, but that's okay. I'll be, I'll be My pregame rituals will start probably about 7 o'clock. So you're right. We probably need uh, to avoid that time. So mm-hmm. Excellent. <laughs> so you want to do that. You want to identify a private location. Uh, you know, if you can do that. If it's a conference call, you know, that's fine. If it's face-to-face, you don't want to be out in the middle of your storefront, out in the middle where there's a lot of distractions around. You want to be able to move away from that work, move away from the computer, because you want their attention. You don't want them to be distracted. You want to be able to have a little bit of control over that aspect of the environment. Okay, So you wouldn't do it in the Dean Smith Center. The Dean Dome. That would not be good. Alan might be so emotional at that point that he would not be receptive to anything you said, no matter how nicely you said it. So, and I'm I'm keeping I'm keeping tabs of how many times we refer to uh, UNC basketball during this podcast as well. By the way, so trying to see if we can hit a record here. So, uh, okay. So, so I, I get bonus points if I do reference the target, sure. just like you get bonuses if you get the trivia correct. That's right. Exactly. It's my own little game. I'm turning around now uh, on you. So. Good. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. The so, so wanted- I'm sorry, recapping here real quick. So, so making sure we've kind of getting to know the environment and setting up the right time and making sure the right location. Again, if it's a, a customer that we only deal with online, it's, you know, we probably have a little more limitation on how those options can go. But obviously, right. if it's a person to person or if it's a more uh, phone time, we can really be more diligent about the time that we try to structure this conversation, planning ahead for it, trying to get them to be aware that we want to talk to them so we're not catching them off guard, all those things. So it's really thinking about the environment there. Right. And a lot of the reason why we're doing this is we want to have them in the right mindset and have them in the right uh Uh, with the right focus in this discussion, just like we want to go in that way ourselves. So we want to make sure that that we're able to ensure that their focus is where it needs to be, their their, uh, attitude and emotions are where they need to be from the start. They're not distracted, anxious, frustrated with something else and bringing that into our conversation. Okay, good. Got it. All right. Another aspect of creating an environment is switching to a basketball analogy. Let's say you (laughs) wanted to run the four corners. I don't know if Dean Smith invented that. There's a certain structure to having Phil Ford out there running the four corners. You have the other four players, obviously, in the corners. Well, it's the same thing here. You want to get organized. You want to have some structure going in to the meeting because you don't want this to be a situation where when emotions do start to fly back and forth as they can at times where you get flustered and you don't have a focus. And one of the main things you can do in going into a meeting organized is to understand that I, I want to convey certain points. Uh, I want to make sure I'm walking through to the next steps and the alternatives and what we can do. And if I just go in there without something documented, written down, or a plan of action, step one, step two, that I want to walk through, if you do get off track, which a lot of customers do when they get upset, if there are a lot of emotions involved, you want to be able to look at your sheet of paper, look at your point sheet, and get refocused yourself uh, so that you can make sure you're still going through the action items and, and you're keeping a little bit of control over the conversation. Well, and I think, I think, I'm, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, yeah, just uh, sorry to interrupt there, but you see this so much in any other aspect of your life. I mean, if you're organized and you can kind of control the environment and the situation that you're going to do something, when you have to tackle a situation, you're more confident because you did your prep work, you've controlled that situation. It does help with confidence, right? I mean, that that's a big factor in what we're talking about here. Right, right. Preparation is hugely beneficial for confidence. I mean, I, I know that 
uh, getting into a football analogy now, I know a lot of football players, they're, they're saying when, when they go into games, especially at the quarterback level, the more that they've prepped a certain play, you know, if they've run it 100 times in practice, uh, if they've read the defenses and, and anticipated defenses, when they see it, they know what to do. It's not a matter of, oh, what do I do now? Uh, you know, I hadn't anticipated this, or I've only run this play twice. Let me try to remember what every player is supposed to do. You've done it so many times in practice that you're much more comfortable and confident when you have to deal with it in reality. Okay, good. So so a lot of these things you're talking about so far really have to do, you're creating that environment, but it really does lead back to giving you more confidence and more uh, just feeling like you can handle this situation and you can be thrown whatever curveballs may come your way. Exactly. You want to feel confident. You want to feel comfortable. You want to have a little bit of control. And if you go and organized, you can write down questions. Questions help you to control the conversation. You can refer back to your point sheet to make sure you're staying on task. And you got to keep in mind there's at a minimum three things that you want to convey whenever you're having to share the bad news. Okay. The first is what exactly happened. You know, yeah. Try not to get too technical or too long-winded. But, but they, they want to know what specifically happened. Okay, th- this situation happened. Uh, they, they second want to know why did it happen. You know, how, how did we get in this situation in the first place? Or why didn't we anticipate this? Or, you know, what, what caused this to happen? And the third is what can be done to fix the problem or achieve the goal in some kind of an alternative way. So when you go in, don't just say, all right, I'm just going to share everything that happened and go into a tremendous amount of detail and just see what the customer says. You yeah. want to go in with a little bit more of an action plan. What, why, and then the next steps. Okay, so so it's key to make sure that you, I can totally see this happening too. Or somebody goes in a situation, explains what uh, the problem is or what's occurred. Customer asks, well, how did this happen? Right. And you know whether that changes the, the end result or not is that people just sometimes want to have that information. They want to know the background of it. And so the, la- the worst thing you could probably do, I would imagine, is to be able to say, well, I don't really know. I don't really know how this happened. I just know we had a problem. We're going to try to fix it. Yes, that's fix- that's taking care of part of the issue. You're giving them a resolution and identifying the problem. But you're right that with that middle point, people do want to know what happened, partly because I think people just like to have information. B, customers want to know, is this something that could happen again in the future? Exactly. And I think if you can educate them on the, this is what happened and how it happened, then at least that somebody has that in the back of their mind. Was this truly a one-time fluke or is this something more, more, uh, more uh, indicative of something that an ongoing problem so right and remember how we started this conversation and you were giving examples of the negative impact uh, of not telling the not telling the information up front and you said well they start uh, losing trust and faith in you and they, there are all these sorts of concerns well if you can explain what happened you can explain why it happened you're, you're building your own credibility even in the face of an issue and if you can find an alternative then you're in service recovery mode and and that way you come off as being very proactive somebody who really wants to help they can still get the the, the need met or the issue resolved or that service delivered uh, so you can actually come out of these service recovery situations looking really, really good. Yeah, good. Yeah, so, I, yeah it, it's a weird thing how people want to know what happened, you know, just as much as, you know, what are you going to do to fix it? Uh, I'm really glad you mentioned that point because that's something I think a lot of us want to try to gloss over. We don't really want to talk right. about what happened. We'd rather just jump right to here's what we're going to do to fix the problem when I think people do want to know that background for it. Right. And if there's something that they can learn from that or you can learn from in the, in the future, you know, they like to hear that because uh, granted, you're going to fix this problem for me today, but what is my reason for doing business with you again if yeah. you haven't explained uh, clearly to me that this won't happen again or that you truly know what caused it and that cause has been permanently eliminated? So 
I would imagine right. too, even the first two points, the both the explaining what happened and explaining why it happened. Uh, it kind of goes back to, to that openness that I think customers want from their businesses. This organization is willing to be open with me and tell me, yes, there was a problem. And yes, this is why it happened. Instead of trying to be secretive about it and trying to almost, you know, gloss over it or try to sneak one by you and say, well, we had a little glitch, not a big deal. No, no big whoop. We're going to credit you some money next month. That's just, uh, that doesn't quite instill that level of confidence and trust in a, in a company you work with at that point. Right. And that's a key point you made because that's a difference between an organization who is just pure sales driven and somebody who's customer service driven. The pure sales driven organization thinks this is a transaction. I just want to close the account, get my money out of this transaction. And that's what I care about. A, a company that's focused on customer service relationships retention, they realize that how I address this issue will impact my relationship long term. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, if I just uh, gloss over what happened and why it happened, they might still fall through on this transaction. But if my goal is to keep them for the long term to grow my business with that client, I need to be able to build up credibility that when issues arise, we can address it. And when issues arise also, we try to figure out what's the root cause so we can eliminate that for the future. Yeah, good deal. Okay, great. All right. So this first section was talking about creating an environment, kind of like you're going to be in that great environment tomorrow night at the Dean Dome. <laughs> Score one more point for Ed Gagnon. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, the, the next point is just talking about, it, it's something we've addressed in the past, but I'm just going to remind everybody about it here, is you want to be self-aware when you're in these conversations with the customer. Okay. I mean, it's not all about the point sheet, not all about the words you use. You're conveying a lot of information to this person verbally, but your body language, the tone of voice you use, conveys whether or not you care about what you're saying, whether or not you're engaged in the conversation, whether or not you're you're really understanding and anticipating what their responses, reactions, emotions are going to be. So when you're thinking about these conversations, Fred, uh, this is what happened, this is why it happened, this is what we're going to do about it. It's also a matter of you with your body language conveying a little bit of empathy. I know this puts you in a tough situation, Fred, uh, and uh, we definitely want to make sure this doesn't happen again. Let me tell you the solution we're going to have for you. You know, you're using that empathetic tone voice, you're conveying the understanding, you're making the good eye contact, you're doing all these things you need to do non-verbally to really convey that this is important to you because it impacts them. And that that's that's important. This is not a task you're working through, but this is a relationship you want to keep. And I would recommend all of our listeners, too, to go back and listen to our episode about showing empathy during a customer service experience, because that's exactly what you're talking about there, Ed, is being okay to get off the script and not not just sticking to the script. You know, you've got certain things that have to be said, but it is the way you say them, the way you convey them, the the other nonverbal things you do that really do help connect with the customer, and especially in a tense, possibly bad news situation like this. Yes. So you're going into the meeting prepared. You're having that environment. You're you're self-aware of what you're going to say. And then you carry on the conversation. You ask the questions. You deliver the information. You talk about the next steps. The the third thing we're going to talk about when you're talking about how do you actually cover all the bases, the third and final point is you have to anticipate their reaction. It's not just a one-way push of information. These conversations are going to have a lot of dialogue. They could potentially have a lot of emotion. So you have to understand how they might react to you. They might get upset. They might get angry. So you you have to be prepared for that. You have to say, well, what if they... They just go off on a certain topic or, or they, they they really get emotional with you or they get irate about something. You, you have to think ahead of time. How am I going to deal with this? I know we did one podcast on diffusing the irate customer. 
you know, there's a technique there. So you literally think before I go into this conversation, I'm going to refresh myself on what are those keys to utilize. If they do get upset, they do get irate. How do I make sure I address that so that when you go into these conversations, you're more confident again because you know how they might react and you have a plan if they do react that way. Ed, is there any value into something I've always tried to do is I always try to go into a situation where I've got to talk to a client and I know it's not going to be good news uh, because of something we screwed up on or whatever it may be. I always try to go in assuming the worst possible reaction that that client could give me. In other words, I'm already assuming that client's going to just chew me out and I'm kind of already ready to know what path I want to take if that were to be the case. Uh, Because I know sometimes people will go in and say, oh, I know this client really well. They're going to be fine with it. I'm going to call them. It's not going to be a big deal. They kind of go in a little blindsided a little bit. Is there any value to kind of going in with that worst case expectation plan? Uh, When you added in the last word, yes, plan. Okay. It's good to go in and say, what is the worst thing that could happen? Uh, if they say they want to cut the contract, they, they say they want a new account rep, they say that they, they want to just end this transaction, how am I going to respond to that? I mean, emotionally, you probably know how you're going to deal with that particular objection. That's beneficial if you go in with a plan. Now, I wouldn't go in with the mindset that, oh, they're definitely going to give me the worst reaction in the world because then you're going to be stressed. You're going to bring emotions oh, yeah, I can and, see that. Yeah. and anxiety into it. But if you go in with a plan, if they end up saying this and this is this is the direction the conversation goes, how am I going to deal with that particular objection? I think that's a very strong and important thing to do. So, yes, I, I, I would definitely buy into that. So not going in already defensive, expecting the Correct. worst. You're saying more just know what your plan is going to be if the conversation does go that way. Because, right. uh, again, I think you know if you go in assuming that, oh, I know this person, they're going to be fine. It's not a big deal. I'm just going to tell them the problem, and I'm sure they'll be okay with it. If you go in with that kind of attitude automatically and not any kind of backup plan for if it does go south, you could be really blindsided. And that's when the confidence drops and, you don't know, and you're not prepared how to deal with it. Right. And that's exactly what we're talking about here, anticipating their reaction, you know, anticipate yeah. what might be the worst case scenario. Not that you expect it or want it, or like you say, go in defensive, but you just know if they do get emotional, if they do threaten to cancel a contract, to, to stop a certain project, uh, to, to not buy the product, whatever the case might be, you have some understanding of how you're going to react to that, how you're yeah. going to deal with that particular objection. It'll just make you more comfortable again uh, when you get into that part of the conversation. Okay. And when you're in this part where you're anticipating their reaction, consider that they might want to know why this happened. We already talked about make sure you convey that, but they also might want to know who's to blame. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, And and that's where you really got to think back on that diffusing the upset customer technique and and try to realize, they might say, well, whose fault is this? Because again, you don't want to get into a big discussion of blame. It can throw you off track. You go down that, that, I don't know if that's a rat hole or a squirrel hole or, uh, you know, a, it's a one of those cat. animal holes. Yeah. I, yeah I it's one of those animals. But, but you want to try to anticipate, they want, might want a specific solution uh, as opposed to the alternative you're about to suggest. So to kind of anticipate not only emotionally how they're going to react, but some of the, but, but anticipate some of these pieces of information they might want, some of these solutions they might present. And you can't think of everything, but, but if you've thought through how the conversation might go, what they might say and how they might react, again, you can prepare yourself to be successful. And just as a side note on that, if somebody does ask who's to blame, we are strongly advocating that you don't just rat out somebody else in your organization, even if yes. they were to blame. <laughs> uh, there is something to be said for standing as a unified company, a team from a, uh, a company morale standpoint. So uh, yes. even though it may be tempting to pick on the guy down the hall from you because he'll never know that you just dropped through him under the bus, uh, please don't do that. That That is not good. 
in all seriousness, it really is like like you alluded. You've even mentioned before, Ed, about the whole you know you come across as a unified front as a company. So people may want to know who's to blame, and I want to make sure I know who to file my complaint with directly or whatever. But any good company is not just individuals; it's a true company group effort. So yeah. Right. Now, you, now, if you wanted to, Alan, you could say, "Well, uh, we blame Coach K." Oh, and, there, uh, ding, ding, sure. ding, 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 Ed Ed Gagnon for the win today, ladies Thank and gentlemen. You very much. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> So, so what we're talking about here is there are plenty of times, even in a, a business that is exceptionally high quality, exceptionally responsive, things happen. Yeah. And if we know as employees of a company that, that these issues are happening, they're impacting our customer, we don't want to just let the customer bring the bad news to us. We need to be proactive, and I know it can be a tough conversation, but if we're proactive, uh, we're first to the plate, then at that point we have a little bit of control over how these conversations go. If we let the customer let the customer initiate it, we lose control over how these conversations start out. And then secondly, when you want to treat, create an environment of success, you, you think about going into the meeting organized, scheduling that meeting, making sure you're going through those key points, what happened, why, and, and what are you going to do about it, or you know, what's that alternative. You're self-aware, and then when you actually get into the topic, you're anticipating their reaction, their emotions, and what they might say or suggest as a next step so that you're, you're very prepared to deal with the emotions, to deal with their suggested alternative. So we, we want you to feel comfortable and confident, and the more you prepare for it, uh, the better you can communicate the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, nice. See, I see how you brought that all back around at the beginning there. So very slick. Thank you very um, much. You know, it's the same idea, too, with uh, just presentations in general, even people going out making presentations or speaking to a large group. It's the same kind of concept. If you go in without the preparation, without the practice, without the background information, you know, you're going to go in less confident. You're going to go in more flustered, easier to be thrown off your game. I mean, it's kind of that same idea. Preparation. It sounds like to me what I'm hearing, the two big words, Ed, that I get from your talk is one is being proactive and two is being prepared. Right. I mean, that's yes. that's the kind of the two big, big objectives there for us when we know we're dealing with a situation that may not be the most comfortable thing for us to deal with. So yes. very good. Yeah, that's excellent. And presentation. I was actually thinking about that earlier on because I have one coming up in a couple of weeks and it's for the group I haven't presented to before. And questions are they going to ask? What are the dynamics going to be like? And the more you anticipate that, you, you can't predict what people are going to do. But the more you think about it, anticipate it, just the calmer, calmer you will be in that situation. Absolutely. So much yes. of the same same process is in place there. That's great. Yes. Well, Ed, thanks so much for this topic. So, Ed, do you have a customer service story of the month for us? This is something we like to do on our show at the end of an episode if we remember to do it and uh, share a story that we've encountered sometime in the last month, either good or bad on the customer service side of things. Do you have one for us this month? Yeah, sure do. It's not real positive and it's pretty quick, but I definitely have one. Okay, I've got one too, and mine's actually a little ambivalent. I don't, I don't know. I'm actually kind of confused whether it's a good or bad thing. So maybe I'll get your feedback on it. So, okay. um, how about let me go ahead and jump into mine first here, and I'd sure. like to kind of hear your feedback. I use a piece of software called Evernote. Have you heard of that at all? I've heard of it and researched it, but I haven't used it yet. Okay. I'm a big fan of Evernote. And what it is, it's a note-taking application. It allows you to create notebooks and organize your notes. And it's real easy to just type in some thoughts or grab a photograph, something, and attach it to a note and take a web clipping and all those things. What's great about Evernote, too, is that it syncs up on all your devices. So I've got it on my computer. I've got it on my iPad. I've got it on my phone. So if I add a note, I'm able to see it anywhere I go. And it really does a nice job of organizing everything. I have started using Evernote to store somewhat critical information. Uh, 
checking account numbers, other things, and there's a high level of security attached to it. You've got to punch in a key code to access your notes. It is a very secure solution. I feel confident with it. Well, just last week, Evernote announced that they had a security incident where uh, somebody had broken into their systems and supposedly had been able to access email addresses and passwords on accounts. Now, here's the thing. Supposedly, their indication is that, yes, this was done. However, our passwords and email addresses were all so heavily encrypted that even though they got, were able to get access to them, there's no way they could have deciphered them. It would, have take, it would take them maybe even weeks to do this if they had a really high-end uh, hacker that was going to take a crack at it. So what they did is they just sent out an email to everybody on their database and said, tell you what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have everybody manually, you have to reset your password. No matter what, you have to go in now. Anytime you log in this system, the very next time you go to our website, it's going to direct you to our website and you have to enter in a brand new password to be able to continue using the service. Okay, so here's my thing with this. I I understand cybersecurity. I understand that, you know, hey, everything is, is vulnerable to some degree. And I think companies, for the most part, do a really good job of trying to keep things very secure and, uh, and, and, and safe from uh, unwanting eyes. But here is a situation where there's a lot of people that depend on this service for day-to-day notes. I, mean, I use it for all of the mesh recordings I, I'm hosting. I put all my notes and all my topics I want to talk about in my Evernote, and that's what I pull up to use. So it doesn't matter if I'm on a laptop or iPad. I, can, I have them there. But I depend on it daily. So all of a sudden now they made a, a wholesale idea change to say we're going to force everybody in our system, no matter what, to change their password. Because by doing this, even if the hackers are able to unencrypt these passcodes they got, they'll be changed by the time they are able to use them. So overall, security-wise, I understand the need. But it was a kind of a, a lot of people online, a lot of tech journalists are saying, you know, it may have been actually overkill to, to do this system-wide password check which will inconvenience some people. I mean, imagine if you're trying to pull up your note for an important meeting and all of a sudden now it says, up, oh, you got to go set up a new password online and you're not able to do that for whatever reason. So anyway, I, I didn't know from your perspective, I, I kind of see it as a pro slash con. I mean, it was a good and or bad. I understand it was a tough situation. It sounds like they tried to deal with it in the most proactive way they could, but it did also have some negative ramifications. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, my, my one thought is it is a mass solution to uh, the issue. And my question would be, did this, do they know definitely that every single email account and password was hacked? Because you would think that they they would be able to be more targeted in it. Yeah. And that way people might understand if it's something that's affected 25% of the folks and uh, they're, they're asking everybody to reset their password, uh, that's not the best solution. Sure. If, if, if that's the route that they have to go because it's more expeditious for them it's easier for them. Um, what they really should have done is to actually say, well, let's see specifically who it impacted, send them personalized messages, let everybody else get a different message that says your data is safe. And that way you're not inconveniencing everybody, but you're communicating a little bit in a more tailored manner to everybody. Yeah, I could see it, that. Yeah. Yeah, if it is a situation where everybody's uh, email and password were potentially compromised, then at, at that point, uh, they could do one of two things. One is to do what they did, or if it truly, if they truly felt like your data was safe for a period of at least three weeks, you know, if somehow they can come up with a figure that says everybody's data is going to be safe for a minimum of three weeks, then at that point uh, they could say, well, we, you will have access to your account for a week, and yeah. within the next week, 
you have to reset the password. So that might have been a couple alternative ways they could have addressed it. I could have seen that second one being a little more helpful there. Again, just saying, listen, you know, next time you come in and log into your account, you do have 14 days before we are going to require a password change just in the utmost sense of security, but you still have access now. Because that was the exactly. thing. It was just, it was kind of jarring to like open up your Evernote and say, oh, by the way, you need to go to our website and reset up a new password right now in order to use anything on your notes. And that was a, that was a little tricky. I understand there again, the reason for doing it. I'm all about cybersecurity. I understand that companies have to be extremely careful, but that just seemed a little over the top for me on that. So, yeah. anyway. so they, they could have handled that better. You understand why they did it, but uh, there were probably some other solutions there that would have been much more customer friendly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So Ed, what's your story for us today? Uh, well, this actually experience my mom had, I guess, a couple months ago. She uh, was a patient uh, going to see the eye doctor okay. uh, about cataracts. And uh, if you have any relatives who've had cataracts, you know that they have to get to a certain point of difficulty, uh, damage. I don't know what the word is, but they have to go bad, really bad, before they're actually performing cataract surgery. So every mm. year she goes back and they say they're not bad enough yet, not bad enough yet. Um, well, she checked in, and this was, I, I believe, early afternoon. She checked in at the doctor's office, and they had this neat board uh, up. It was an interactive board, and it, it uh, identified the delay currently for your appointment. So it actually mm. told her that her doctor already by early afternoon was about 90 minutes behind schedule. Wow. So it's interesting because in one sense, the reason why they had the board was, you know, they're trying to manage customer expectations, let them know when it's going to be that they're actually going to see uh, the the physician. But the other issue was that the doctor was running behind 90 points by that time of the day. Yeah. So they obviously have some internal issues that they need to deal with. So whereas it was good that the uh, expectation was being reset using this monitor. Um, the customer, my mom, was frustrated. Now, she wasn't just frustrated about the 90 minutes. Uh, what else do you think she was frustrated about? When she walks in, she noticed that it's running 90 minutes behind schedule. Well, could she not have been communicated before she showed up? Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, what, what's wrong with if you've got a great high-tech system for showing how far behind you are, why can't you call an hour before the appointment and say, hey, we're running behind. Don't even show up until 1030 or whatever. Right. So it's one of those situations where we often say when you have a wait, anything you can do to manage the perception of wait time or to reset expectations is wonderful. But if you know ahead of time that, that you're running that far late, then you need to be proactive and call the customer so that they don't come in and, and say, okay, great, I have to wait for an hour and a half. Maybe you could save them the time up front with a call in advance, and that way they're, they're coming in at a more appropriate time. The wait is 15 to 30 minutes as opposed to 90 minutes. So when yeah. you think about situations like this, and this is an example of today's podcast, they knew they were running 90 minutes behind schedule. They allowed the patients to come in and wait 90 minutes. If you know it and you're proactive about it, then maybe that customer will come in a little bit later. Maybe they won't be so ticked off when they actually walk into that waiting room and see that 90 minute delay up there on the monitor. I could not imagine. I would be furious at that point. I mean, and there again, I understand sometimes, you know, you may have the best process in the world. Maybe this eye doctor place does normally run really spot on five minute delay at the most. It just happened to be this one day, everything blew up. And I get that. But if you've got enough technology going on to put this kind of information in 
track it and put it up on the board like that, surely some sort of auto dialer to send out a voice message or something to people to say, hey, your your appointment's running 90 minutes behind. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't even need to show up until at least an hour after your normally scheduled time. Exactly. Uh, it's still a little frustrating to, to hear you're delayed that much, but at least you're saving yourself having to get out of the house at the same time or uh, stopping whatever you're doing to go leave for an appointment for when there's no reason for it. So, yeah. Wow. So it's probably one of those good ideas. <laughs> yeah. Gone bad or at least implemented poorly. And they did, they, they weren't first to the plate in this yeah. case. Oh, that's wow. I really hope for their sake, that's not a typical daily situation of running that far behind. Because at that point, I'd sense. start ripping the boards down. There's no point in putting that information up there. Right. Um, hopefully, that was just a one-day situation. Things really just blew up out of control. So anyway. Exactly. Yeah, great. Well, Ed, I think we've come to the end of our show. We've talked a lot about how to share and be prepared to be willing to share bad news to a customer whenever you've got some bad news to, to tell them about. Uh, we talked to some ideas about being proactive, and we talked about controlling the environment in which you do it and being very well prepared for that conversation and how that really makes a big difference and can hopefully salvage those relationships with those clients. And we both shared a customer service experience we've we've experienced in the last few weeks and talked a little bit about that. So overall, good episode. And uh, I think we only had about 14 UNC basketball references. So that's that's pretty good. I think that's a record for our show today. So Well, well excellent. Well, you know, I, I was shooting for 15, but I know, uh, you I know. know the 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 Roy Williams in me just wasn't pushing the ball up the court fast enough. And there you go. That's, that's fifteen. Ding. Hey, you just got fifteen. We just oh, made it. Okay. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> good job. Very good job. Well done, Ed. Uh, well, we did record our our prediction for the score. Of course, it will be a few weeks before we get back together for our next episode. But uh, I'm sure we'll have fun recapping to see who got closer on that with that as well. So sure, that's good, great. Ed. Uh, people can find more about you and the work that you do at Customer Service Solutions. The website is CS csamerica.com css stands for customer service solutions america.com go there sign up people can sign up for your blog and newsletter right are they able to do that from there definitely we have a blog we put out one or two postings a week we have a customer service newsletter that comes out every tuesday morning it's all free we have the podcast listed on there as well comes out every month there's a lot of free very very helpful information that you can get through the website great well i definitely encourage everybody to check it out cssamerica.com get connected with ed i'm sure ed also your linkedin and twitter and all these things going on too so people can find out more at your website about that and then i'm with the jackson group where uh, we do patient and employee and customer satisfaction surveys for a variety of industries you can learn more about us at the jackson group.com the mesh.tv that's where you want to go to reference some of these older episodes that we mentioned in our discussion today Uh, all those episodes are available for stepping up service you can go back all the way to episode number one Makes for a great weekend of just nonstop customer service listening, hearing me and Ed talk for hours and hours on end. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you're not enjoying a certain ball game this weekend and you are looking for something to do, maybe about 14, 15 episodes of Stepping Up Service is right up your alley for this weekend. Um, but you can go back and listen, especially the ones talking about empathy that we had discussed and uh, dealing with the irate customer. Those two seem to be a really connected with what we were talking about today as well. Be good ones to go back and listen to for that. And then all the other shows on the Mesh Network as well, all the other ones I mentioned earlier on, you can go check out. They're all free, easy to download, easy to play. We'd love some feedback. Go to our website, fill out the contact us form if you've got any questions or ideas, or just want to give us some feedback on the, the conversation we had today. We'd love to hear from you. 
All right. So, Ed, thanks again for your time today. It's uh, great seeing you as always, and we'll look forward to having uh, another conversation with you in the coming weeks. All right. Sounds great, Alan. Thank you much. Take care, Ed. See you. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.